0: Luka Doncic and the Mavs have completely taken over the sports narrative in Dallas. It's hard to believe, but tonight will actually be Luka's first home playoff game with fans in attendance as the Mavericks look to take a commanding 3-0 series lead over the LA Clippers. On today's Mic Drop, we talk playoff hoops with Brad Townsend, Mavericks beat reporter for the Dallas Morning News, who makes a bold prediction about the series then, Spud Webb, the 1986 NBA slam dunk champion and one of the most important players ever to play high school basketball in our area, joins us to talk Luca, the Mavericks, and to recount his journey from Wilmer Hutchins High School to NBA legend. Finally, Big Time Tennis is returning to Dallas next February as the ATP has announced the Dallas Open will be played at SMU's Steislinger Altec Tennis Complex. John Isner, the USA's top player For the past decade and a little known up and comer named Dirk Nowitzki were on hand for the big announcement. We will talk with tournament director Peter Lebedevs about what to expect both for next year's Dallas Open and long term for, for professional tennis in Dallas. So let's drop the needle and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop Podcast. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by my co-host, Monica Paul, Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, along with our next-level intern, Marcus Carr. Episode 15, Monica. You know, we celebrated Episode 10 by dedicating it to uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. And uh, with Episode 15, you know, it's got to be Brad Davis, the first Maverick to have his jersey (laughs) retired. Uh, Marcus pointed out the the legendary Tony Fritsch wore number 15, For the Dallas Cowboys many years ago, he was one of the early soccer-style kickers. Gil uh, Gil Brandt went over to Austria and found him. He had never seen an NFL game, and in his first game, he kicked a uh, game-winning field goal and was on that uh, seventy-one team that went to the Super Bowl. So, we're thinking about Brad Davis and the late Tony Fritsch today as we hit episode fifteen. Of course, Monica, you were solo last week. I was on Mike Drop assignment at the PGA. Oh. Championship actually actually I was doing my day job with the the PGA of America being a a consulting client of ours but you you, you guys had an awesome show without me I thought for for a uh, minute there maybe I was going to get put out of a job by no no uh, you know you were going you were going to wally pit me
1: no no Sully I am uh, very very happy to have you back this week but uh, I think we have to be honest with our listeners it was really vacation on the beach uh, you say <laughs> you were only there for one day uh, but. Uh, Yes, I uh, had a great show last week with Pedro Silva with Univision Dallas and uh, Dan Hunt, uh, our chair of the World Cup uh, 2026 uh, bid committee and obviously the president of uh, FC Dallas. So a lot of soccer talk. But uh, as always, I am very, very happy to have you back, Sully.
0: Well, well, thanks. The, uh, the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island, South Carolina, really is a beautiful place. But what was really beautiful was, talk about a national mic drop moment, was what Phil Mickelson did at almost age 51, becoming the oldest uh, player to win a a major championship in in golf. Incredible. But, you know, the TV ratings, uh, 13 million people watching as Phil uh, marched up the 18th fairway. It's a reminder of how sports brings us together. And whenever we have moments like this, where the country comes together cheering, you know, for someone to, to achieve something great in sports, overcoming some obstacles like being 50 years old on a really tough course with the wind and all these young guys, including your buddy, Brooks Kepka nipping at his heels, along with some other major champions like Peter uh, uh, Usthasen, uh And, and uh, you know, just an incredible scene. And it, it really does remind us how, how we're all brought together by sports. I remember ba- way back, this would have been 2005 or six. When I was working at the U.S. Department of Education. Uh, I was at an event at Microsoft with Secretary Margaret Spellings, and Bill Gates, after she spoke, Bill Gates answered some questions. And the first one was, how do you balance life and work? And he said, well, the first thing is I don't follow sports and I don't watch television. So while on the one hand, uh, I, I, I can't participate in those conversations, it does free up a lot of time. And immediately, I felt sorry for him. On that day, he was the wealthiest man on the planet, and I felt sorry for him because I don't know where you get the feeling that that lifting your spirits that comes from a great sports moment, like we saw with Phil Mickelson at the PGA uh, Championship. Uh, if you're not a sports fan, and I know Monica, you've seen that in your own career, being you know whether it's Olympics or or great events that the sports commission has brought to Dallas. Don't you you think there's there's nothing like what happens when people come together around a big sports moment?
1: Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the timing uh, right now of what we've just gone through with the pandemic uh, couldn't have been better. I've had people over the weekend, you know, not even golf fans uh, cheering for Phil. I know I was in front of the television all day uh, Sunday watching that happen. Even with uh, you know Phil kind of battling out with my uh, heartthrob there, Brooks Kepka. but uh, you know definitely cheering him on. And I, I, yeah, I think uh, what we're seeing now is um, he, here in the metroplex and per, uh, other areas that are open for, for open for business, there are people who are kind of clamoring to be out back out at sports to continue to participate or maybe participate in sports that they haven't uh, been able to do over the last year or eight months and then uh, also attending events. So uh, great timing there and uh, a lot of great energy coming out of it, too.
0: What else is happening? I know you're thinking about bringing great, great events to to Dallas all the time. What's what's happening at the Sports Commission this week?
1: Well, a, a lot of stuff, actually. Uh, you know, we had the big uh, ATP D- Dallas Open announcement, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth. Here this weekend, we've got the MEX tour with Mexico uh, versus Iceland taking place uh, Saturday at ATT Stadium. Uh, and, you know, Mexico is going to be here. This is their home away from home, so they're going to be uh, here in market. It's kind of going to be like soccer fever going on uh, as they're going also kind of our uh, anchor for the, the CONCACAF Gold Cup stages that are, that are taking place. Um, really sports is, is back in Dallas. Uh, we, we've got, uh, youth, a so- lot, a lot, a lot of youth soccer going on, uh, at Money Graham Soccer Park, uh, Toyota Soccer Center, the Texas Cup. Um, we just celebrated, uh, here's a, here's a big win for us. We just celebrated, uh, the Mex Tour reading challenge. It's a, a, bilingual literacy program that we do with the Mexican national team. Um, Mesquite ISD was, a, a one of their schools was a, a big winner there. And, we're, we're still waiting for the reports, but uh, we're hearing that uh, actually this literacy program is starting, they're starting to see positive results in test scores. So uh, that's a, you know, that's one of the reasons we do it, one of the reasons we get out in the community. So uh, that's, that's a big win for us. Um, we're finishing up our, oh, let's see, I think sixth or seventh week over at the convention center. Uh, we had volleyball, but now we're into two weeks of, of uh, boys basketball, and we actually had Last weekend, the top uh, team in the country uh, participating. So uh, that's a, a good start for us and something we've always kind of wanted to, to grow. So it was great to that we are able to do it uh, during COVID. Um, we're going to be making some announcements on uh, some water polo events soon. And then uh, just following up on legislative sessions. So uh, as that's coming to a close, we definitely had some Some legislative issues uh that you know could possibly affect our events uh into the future of of how those rights holders uh uh, viewed them uh depending on what was passed so just continuing to follow that up so a lot of good things uh we can definitely see we're we're going at a different speed right now compared to the last year
0: yeah rocking as always the american Airlines center will be rocking we'll be back to talk to uh, Brad Townsend of the Dallas Morning News in a minute about that, but first let's go to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: Power Hands is a global athletic training and rehabilitation product tech company that enhances human performance through designs, innovative technology. If you are a coach, athlete, fitness enthusiast, Power Hands is for you. Who doesn't want to improve their overall performance and recovery? Even better, Power Hands is Dallas based and a portion of every product purchased. Helps provide athletic and academic programs to youth in underserved communities. Go to PowerHands.com and improve your athletic performance today.
0: Thanks, Rachel. Now, really grateful to be joined by Brad Townsend. Since 1993, Brad's been with the Dallas Morning News, uh, on and off many many stints over the years as a Mavericks beat writer, which is his current post. I first, Brad, I think you and I first met when you were with the San Antonio Light covering the Spurs. Remember, remember uh, that that fine uh, paper. Yes, the dearly departed. Yeah, well, Brad is, uh, and just for, for our, our uh, not only is Brad a really talented uh, writer, you, you know, with great great feature stories, not, not just uh, a grinded out beat reporter. This is a talented person, a great father as Father's Day approaches in a few weeks, and just an all around good guy. So, thanks for joining us, Brad. Let, let's let's get right to it. So, how have the Mavericks been able to pull off? these game one and two wins on the road at LA?
3: I think uh, what we've seen these two games is is what this team got from the bubble experience last year for a lot of those guys, in particular, Luca and uh, Christoph Sporzingis. It was the first playoff experience. And while uh, the circumstances certainly weren't uh, normal, uh, I was in the bubble with them. It was very odd. Uh, There was still playoff there was still a playoff vibe. There was still a lot of uh, an increase of the, uh, of the, uh, you know, war of words and things that go on during games and the escalation of emotions. And so, and then you factor in the fact that this is the Clippers team that, that the Mavericks thought that they had a shot to beat and to, you know, uh, when Porzingis got hurt, it really crippled their chances. Uh, And I think, you know, the Clippers wanted the Mavericks, uh, you know, more more to the point. They wanted to be out of the Lakers' side of the bracket. Uh, and I think the Mavericks wanted the Clippers. I really do. And I think what uh, that's what we've seen in this these first two games, a very determined effort.
1: So, Brad, how important is the, the atmosphere going to be at the American Airlines Center? Fans, uh, you know, home game, one, and then uh, – uh, fans being able to be in attendance. And if I'm hearing correctly, it's 15,000 plus. How important is that for the Mavs?
3: Well, yeah, actually there's a slight update on that. The Mavericks and I released this morning that uh, an increase and oh. in more available tickets. And so I texted somebody from the Mavs and I was like, well, what exactly is that number? And uh, it was like someone tore a page out of the Kevin Sullivan manual <laughs> for uh, <laughs> providing just enough information to uh to keep some intrigue i was told sixteen thousand plus, plus okay uh and that that leaves room for the imagination i think it also maybe creates a little uh, uh extra you know seed of wonder for the clippers exactly what they're walking into but it, it should be huge i mean the uh Pre-pandemic, I will say the Mavericks did not have a home court advantage, or didn't—it didn't seem that way with their record. But when you add in all the emotions that are going to be roiling inside of uh, American Airlines Center, uh, the fact that this is—you know—will be the first close to full sellout in since March of last year. You talk about the fact that the Mavericks haven't won a playoff series since 2011. You talk about the fact that this will be the first playoff game inside of American Airlines Center since 2016. And you talk about uh, I'm sure, a lot of pent-up vitriol toward the Clippers. And in particular, uh Marcus Morris Sr. and probably uh Patrick Beverly. And you've got a lot of emotions going on, and it's all going to be at the Mavericks back, like you know, wind at their sails and uh Squarely against the Clippers.
1: Well, very to use Im- an,
3: another sailing term.
1: <laughs> and uh, I believe this will be the first uh, pl- home playoff game for Luca. Uh, you know how important is uh, Luca for for the Mavericks and actually for the for Dallas in general. The the fans, I mean, taking over, kind of being that face after after Dirk. Um, what does that look like for Luca? Uh,
3: you know, it's really imme- immeasurable. And, and that's part of the equation that I guess I kind of left out when I'm describing the, the scene is, uh, the, the love for Luca in Dallas, uh, it's very, it's palpable, but last year's playoffs were played in the bubble. And so there was no, really no, there was really no way for fans to kind of, uh, get behind Luca in, in that effort. Uh, you could certainly, I certainly sensed it on Twitter. I'm at the game and I'm, Uh, you know, tweeting a couple of videos and people are just going crazy when uh, in game four, the Mavericks trailed by 21 points and Luca on a bum left ankle led a comeback victory. This is as much as anything else. uh, I think uh, even with the stakes of the playoffs, this will be an embracing of Luca and appreciation for Luca. These, this game, games three and four.
0: What do you, you know Tim Hardaway is a player who who has a uh, there's a contract decision uh, looming. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, on Tim Hardaway Jr. and he has been out of his mind uh, for the last really three, four, five weeks now. Uh, you know we talk a lot about about Luca and KP, but but give us a sense of the importance of Hardaway uh, as this series goes on as well.
3: Yeah, well, I asked uh, I asked Ty Lue about it before the series, and he called. Uh way the X Factor, the Mavs X Factor, and he certainly has been that uh, in a good way for the Mavericks and a bad way for the Clippers. He, like you said, he's been on fire. Uh, he, he's really everything that you want in a player. I mean, he comes out there and goes 110 miles an hour, whatever he's doing. Uh, no, he's not a top level defender. Uh, but when he's shooting the way he's shooting and and he brings the energy and, and the, um, the intense focus that he's bringing to the court, it's contagious. And, uh, and when he's shooting the way he's shooting, it's, uh, you know, you've got a Clippers team. That's really, uh, their defense is constructed toward trying to slow down Luca. And then when you have the, uh, the helping Mavericks like uh, Hardaway and Dorian Fanny smith and Kleba, you know, hitting three pointers. Uh, that's that's demoralizing. That's demoralizing. It's kind of like uh, the Clippers kind of wondering, you know, uh, like which finger to to which hole to plug in the dike.
0: What uh, as we let you go, Brad. And we appreciate you coming on for a quick quick hot take on the 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 top news here in uh, in Dallas. Can we get you to make a prediction? I mean, what do you think is going to happen in these next two games at the AAC?
3: Well, uh, you know, you just give me the opportunity to brag a little bit. I was one of the few reporters that picked the Mavs to win the series, although I guess I should apologize to them. I picked them to win in six. Uh, the, uh, I shouldn't have underestimated them, apparently. Uh, I, I don't think I'm going back to L.A. for game five, and nor, nor are the Mavericks.
0: Now that is a mic drop moment. So thanks for joining us today, Brad. All, all the best as you continue to cover the team. Everybody read Brad Townsend in the Dallas Morning News and follow him on Twitter. So thanks, thanks a lot, Brad. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. All right, now over to uh, Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup.
0: Thanks, Rachel. What a privilege to be joined by Spud Webb, uh, president of basketball operations for the Texas legends. That's of course the Mavericks G league team in Frisco 13 seasons in the NBA, most notably with the Hawks. Although Spud, you had some good years in Sacramento and and elsewhere, but what people really know Spud for around the world is 35 years ago, winning the the slam dunk contest at reunion arena as part of all-star Saturday I know, Spud, we're in May, but we're still celebrating the 35th anniversary here on the mic drop of that incredible uh, weekend when we had the All-Star Game in Dallas for the first time. But your journey didn't begin uh, in the NBA or at Reunion Arena with that dunk contest victory over your, over your teammate, Dominique Wilkins. It began uh, as a young boy growing up in Wilmer Hutchins. And as you reflect on your incredible journey, all that you overcome, what? Uh, What does it mean to you today and what lessons from that journey do you pass on to young people? Yeah, thanks
4: for having me, Mike. But uh, yeah, coming from, uh, you know, South Dallas of what we call Oak Cliff here in Dallas. And no, uh, we didn't have the Mavericks when I was growing up. So we didn't have any like, you know, basketball to see other than reruns late at night on a Friday, (laughs) you know, so uh, going in, you know, playing uh, one year of high school basketball, winning a national championship and uh, junior college before I went to North Carolina State in that you know, 13 years in, in NBA and now president of basketball operations. No matter what I do, it's, it's, you're going to be knowing about the dunk contest and dunk, like River told me I never lived that down. and He wasn't joking at me everywhere I go. Every building I walk in, I live in Dallas now. I, people tell me that I, they was there. I know the reunion didn't hold 100,000 <laughs> people, but they all say that he was there. So, but it's a blessing, you know, I'm still being able to help uh, instill in sports.
0: You know, Spud, I, I was there that day. I was the uh, uh, media services director for the Mavericks. So I was sitting at the table next to Brian McIntyre of the NBA. And when you wrote an autobiography after that with Reed Slaughter, the picture of course was of you making that winning dunk in the, in the dunk contest. But right between your legs, as you're flying through the air, is my fat head at the press table. So I'm honored to share the cover of your autobiography. Uh, but that that was a, that was a, a just an, an amazing day. Now I read where you said that that Dominique had never seen you dunk before, not in practice, not a, not 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 messing around in this in a pickup game somewhere. I mean, it was is that really true?
4: Yeah, because it was my rookie year. I was, you know, still trying to make the team. It wasn't one of those rookies where you have a three-year they call process. You had to uh, perform in practice and the games every day. So uh, after practice, uh, the the assistant coaches will pull you to the side and trying to teach you how to, you know, get over pick and roll. And then Doc Rivers going to we know he's going to be a coach because he would have us at the practice doing showing us rotations and and all type of stuff. So. I didn't have a chance, you know. I had to practice to look at. We didn't have YouTube's and all the Facebook social media club. Look on and say, "Hey, I want to do that dunk right there." It was just dunks that I had been in my repertoire since I was a senior in high school. So, uh, and I didn't get to practice the night before because I was on the Johnny Carson show uh, Friday night. So I had to fly to L.A. Then back to Dallas. So lucky I was just 22 years old and didn't have to warm up or anything. And uh, just went out and uh did the dunks I know I could do. I was glad they that it ended there because I know Dominique had a bunch of more dunks and I didn't.
0: <laughs> now, do you and Dom when you see Dominique, do you do you still oh, yeah. that's still come oh, up and ever you time. give him a hard time or do you remind him who won? Or Oh yeah, I said
4: the champ is here. You know, I just messed with it. We it's funny <laughs> that day I got on the bus the next day. Uh Doc Rivers and Kevin Willis and them, man, they were Mike Fatello and them, they was giving they was giving Nick such a bad, you know, let the champ on first. Nick, let the champ <laughs> on first. We running plays for Spud now. You know, they was giving him a hard time. But, you know, when we play golf and, you know, he'll, he, you know, he, he's like the big brother to me. So, you know, he hit me upside the head of, you know, you're going over there and they want to see you because you want, you know, all that. But we're still, I mean, we're best friends at the time. And now when I go to Atlanta, to, we go
0: eat at our, our uh,
4: play golf, with, you know, still friends
0: you know you were you know five six or five seven we don't see small players as much in today's game we're talking about Chris Paul listed at six feet obviously having a spectacular season and he's had a great hall of fame career but you know Muggsy Bogues and Earl Boykins and some of the Mike Isolino we had here in Dallas some of those under six foot guys there were a bunch of them for that period of time in the in the 80s and 90s where did where where does the game stand now for the for the smaller player? And, and you know, could you have done today with the way the game is played? Uh, you know what you did then. Could you do that today, the way the game is played?
4: Yeah, even more without getting fouled and pushed down and and hacked like uh, you know they did back then. Uh, you know, wasn't no power forwards in the lane, no centers in the lane, so you could you know you can wreak havoc on uh, today's game because it's up and down, it's jump shots, it's long rebounds, more fast breaks. Um, you know, uh like JJ with probably the last of the last. And We was like, man, you 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 you're holding it up for us, and he, he retired last year, but uh uh you know you just don't see nothing with the AAU select, uh the coming out early, all the uh process guys, uh you know, they don't have time uh for a smaller guard now. Chris Paul, the only one holding it up for us, and uh he's you know probably in the running for MV, MVP, but I think the Joker would get it.
1: So, Spud, in your day, you mentioned earlier there was no Mavericks, there was no G League. Um, you had to kind of start in the short-lived USBL on the Rhode Island goals. Uh, tell us about your your work with the legends and, and how important that is.
4: Well, you know, um, since I've seen every road you can go to, get to the NBA, so I try to tell the guys, you know, the G League is a, uh, you know, it is when you come there, you know, it's either good or bad. You know, it's you're not ready to play in the NBA yet, and uh, you still have an opportunity. And now they have the two way guys. They have some guys coming out of high school. So, not let alone being there uh, with Texas Legends. Uh, you know, you get to keep guys' dreams alive. You get to keep some of the former NBA players. A lot of co- kids coming out of college that want to work for a professional team and learn. Um, about GM and a uh, assistant coaching you know, or front office work. Um, a lot we get a lot of the former NBA players come through that be assistant coaches that are going on to the NBA along with players. So um, I, I love it. I've been there ten years, and uh, <laughs> Donnie and you know they always Donnie Nelson on and that Mark Cuban on. But they always ask, you want to come up to the Mavericks? They're like, man, I like keeping uh, these kids' dreams alive with the with the with the G League with the Texas Legends getting the kids jobs and internships to, uh, father their careers.
1: Well, I've definitely got to get up to, a, to, a, some legends games this year. Um, so we've, we've got the Mavs in, in the playoffs. Uh, how, what's your prediction there? Um, Spud, uh, you know, we've got, uh, capacity, uh, increased 16,000. I think we just heard from Brad Townsend, uh, yeah. at the, at the American Airlines center tomorrow. And, uh, what's your prediction?
4: Well, I'm I'm kind of biased because I grew up in Dallas now. I'm working for Mark. <laughs> I'm kind of biased, <laughs> but uh I'm not surprised the way the Mavericks are up two nothing on the on the Clippers, the way they played them last year in the bubble. It's just nobody on that team is going to step up to uh, try to slow down uh uh Luka. So uh it's hard to do anyway. The first time I seen him at practice rookie year, I was like, he's he's already got an NBA body, but let alone I didn't know he played that well until uh, you know, you started seeing him. And, but what but with Pazinga's back, helping out is great. And Richardson and Hardaway has just been unbelievable. Uh, the things he doing, all the role players that they have that uh, Donnie and the guys have put together, man, to put around uh, Luca to, uh, you know, make his, uh, the way he plays today with, you know, the guys are uh, holding the ball all, all the time and playing pick and roll. He's the perfect guy for that, that system. Spud, we're
0: going to bring in our intern. Marcus Carr has a, has a playoff question. Spud, you just talked
4: about revitalizing players' careers with the Legends, and uh, notably Cameron Payne played for the Legends last season, you know, averaged mm-hmm. a little bit of 20, 20, around 23, 24 points last year, and now he's, you know, turned around on the 8-0 bubble team in the Suns, now lighting it up for the Suns, how, how exciting is that to see? Oh, it's great to see, because he shouldn't have been in the, <laughs> well, you can see guys that come uh, to the G League, you go, he don't belong here, but uh, you have to make that that step sometime. When he went overseas, he you know was in Oklahoma. Did he didn't play well? I mean, play bad. So you know, we know he wasn't going to be around too long. So you know, you just happy to see a guy that make it back, and he looked like he's uh, on on mark to stay there, which is great because there's not many guys you can find that uh, create, take a shot like he does, and have the confidence he have. He don't he don't sit around and wait on what other people do. He can create.
0: Spud, is there, is there a, before we let you go, is there a player from your era that Luca reminds you of when you, what's all the things that he can do? Who, who does he remind you of from your day? I
4: mean, I have to go back and look at that. I, I heard him trying to uh, do it with Larry Bird, but uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. I have to go back and look, man. I think he's just did dish, like Harden. Uh, who remind nobody <laughs> back then? Remind reminded me of Harden. Uh, with Luca No. Um, you uh, I mean with uh Joker, no, it's just it's just these guys are doing it different ways, man. They're so talented and so wide open with the pick and roll that uh if you're a talented player, uh you can expose a lot of people. And that's what's happening with uh with Luca, man. He's just so good and smart. And uh his big body when he gets get to the in the lane is is helping him a lot. Because usually you get guys like that. They want a high flying dunk, but Luca waiting on you to make that one mistake so he can make a alley oop pass or a pass into people, and that would make people want to play with with Luka. I like to watch players that make other players better, and he make everybody on the Mavericks look good and better.
0: Well, let's see what happens uh, this weekend coming up at the American Airlines Center. It'll be it'll be a wild scene for sure. And Spud, thank you for all the great memories. Uh, Throughout your career, all the work you're doing with the legends, and I really appreciate you joining us here on the mic drop. All right, thanks, thanks for having me, Kevin. All right, let's over to Rachel for a word with with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: Looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Try having a relaxing weekend at the spa or a fun family staycation for spring break. The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown, within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The Uptown Terrace Infinity Pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the Dallas skyline at night. Go to OmniHotels.com for the best offers and plan your post-quarantine staycation today. Because why? Big wins happen here.
0: Thanks, Rachel. Pleased to be joined by Peter Lebedevs. Welcome to welcome Peter, a native of Perth, Australia, came to the U.S. back in 1983 to play tennis at the University of Memphis. He's had a long career as a coach and tournament director around the ATP. It's our good fortune to have the New York Cup, which which Peter ran, uh, relocating to Dallas to so be played next February at SMU. Which means Peter is relocating to Dallas to run the tournament. So welcome, welcome to Dallas, Peter.
5: Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Looking uh, really looking forward to coming down there and becoming a a Texan. I'm a true southerner, southern hemisphere, so I'll be southern both ways. So really looking forward to it. Um, the tennis community is that I've been already met down there in Dallas is fantastic. So really excited to get uh, the feet on the ground and get going with our Dallas Open.
1: Well, Peter, we had a you know big announcement last week. Uh, I think st- people are still uh, running on a high. Give, us, give our listeners an idea of how the Dallas Open came to be.
5: Well, <clears throat> we were looking for a, a, a more intimate um, venue that we could do a, a, a special type of event <clears throat> than we had previously. And we started looking around, and what we ended up is uh, Dallas was the sort of checked all the boxes. And, and the biggest part about it has been sort of the community on top of that the business world there is, is fantastic, you know, with where you are with, um, the fortune 500 companies and that aspect. But then, you know, honestly, Monica, you and I sat down and we had a coffee together right across from the, uh, star singer, all tech tennis complex there at SMU. And it's like, hang on, this makes sense that we've got somebody like you just willing to have a chat with me and get going. And then, um, from there, uh, our board looked at all the opportunities and, and I said, this is Dallas is a place to go. And, and uh, that's where we are. So it's been it's been a fantastic ride, and uh, we're excited about where we're going to be.
1: Well, I think one of the things I'm most excited about is the the opportunity here, uh, obviously to see great tennis, not only professional but youth and collegiate uh, uh, tennis as well. Uh, but there's a lot of community ish- initiatives that uh, GF Sports and Entertainment and, and the Isner Family Foundation are planning. Um, Give our listeners an idea of maybe what to expect over these next. I would say a year, but maybe we're a little bit under a year now. So eight months <clears throat> or so from from now.
5: Yeah, a little bit little bit less than a year right now. It's a, the time is going to fly by, but look, we we want to be in the community 365 days a year, and and by that we're going to be doing some. Uh, things around STEM education because tennis is filled with STEM education opportunities, spin of the ball, bounce of the ball, those sort of things. So we want to go into schools and provide that opportunity. Um, We want to create some diversity inclusion speaker series as well. So we're going out and reaching more than um, just our tennis people as well. And then with John's foundation, we're going to be working with him and his team on exactly the best way to do that. But they're our first, um, partner that we're working with on a charity side and we're excited to to start creating some events for them some of them will be tennis some will be uh, more than tennis in other areas so those are just the beginning of it plus as we come into the market we're going to see more opportunities and more areas that we can reach out to the community and I think that's important for us that that we identify um, those things that are important to Dallas because what's important to Dallas is important to GF Sports and Entertainment and the Dallas Open
1: well, I, I know I've gotten this question a lot of like, when will tickets be on sale? Uh, I know fans can go to dallasopen.com to join the priority wait list. Uh, you kind of mentioned our, our Fortune 500 companies and, and a lot of people are like, we want to be involved. So when when might people expect to go ahead and purchase their tickets or ticket packages or sponsorships?
5: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Look, it's been unbelievably Um, overwhelming to be honest how many people have have shown the interest and are on the waiting list it actually has taken us a little longer simply because there are so many we're actually reaching out right now to everybody that's on the waiting list and and updating them our individual tickets will go on sale um, late August early September Uh, our box seats are already on sale and so where you look on the website you'll be able to call us directly but uh, if you get on the waiting list, we're reaching out to everybody by the end of this week. And if not, we'll have everybody reached and touched by uh, Tuesday afternoon. So that's the best place to go. But individual tickets will start going on sale uh, late August, early September.
1: So, so, Peter, one of the questions uh, at the announcement last week uh, from, the, from the tennis community is, uh, OK, now that we have the Dallas Open and men's tennis, when are we going to have a women's tournament? So you know, what's uh, what's our opportunity there? Maybe to to expand on. I mean, I don't want to get overly excited. We got to get this Dallas Open off the ground in February, twenty twenty two. But uh, you know, long term, is there an opportunity to bring women's tennis here?
5: Look, there absolutely is. It's, it's interesting that that uh, people are excited about both the the men's and the women's um, side of tennis. What we've plan to do is make sure that we we get ourselves buttoned up uh, correctly with our A B event and see what the uh the temperature is and then as we go down as we expand and opportunities rise we would love to to bring the women's event as well um, you know i've had experience in running a combined men's and women's event previously and that's just a fantastic package but it's sort of our number one goal is, is get our ATP guys up and going and, and show that successful and then um, then look to a couple of years down the road at that. But that being said, we've got some other ideas that maybe we could um, bring some girls in town to play a couple of matches to sort of whet the appetite of uh, of all the tennis fans here uh, a little earlier than that. So it's definitely on our mind, but probably not uh, not for a couple of years.
0: Peter, when it comes to Dallas's, uh, you mentioned the rich heritage. Uh, of tennis here in Dallas. People don't, I don't think realize in 1980, when the Mavericks came to town at reunion arena, the primary tenant of reunion arena was world championship tennis. The Mavericks were actually in the second position for, for dates and everything else, which is how we ended up getting, you know, bounced out of there for the infamous Moody madness game in 1984 that got played at, at SMU. And during the WC during a match during WCT that year, Uh, the PA announcer announced the Mavericks had won and beaten Seattle in this playoff game at, at SMU. And Jimmy Connors was on the court at that time and took the tennis ball and, and kind of mimicked a basketball shot with the, with the tennis ball from 1980 to 89, you know, we had that WCT event at, at reunion arena and with Lamar Hunt, you know, there was a great uh, legacy of of tennis here I know that this is the Dallas Open. We're, we're talking about, you know, one event, but you do have a longer term vision. I can tell by you talk with you talking about, you know, all you want to do in the community. What are the possibilities long term to restore Dallas as a, as a hub for professional tennis in the U.S.?
5: Oh, look, it's, you know, first of all, Texas as a state is already, you know, you already have another ATP event in Houston. So you're already sort of on the um, on the mark and building that way. It's going to depend on on how successful our we produce the event here, you know, and what happens. The ATP they will see, okay, Dallas is embracing this, so they'll look to us for more opportunities. And then as we go forward, um, you know, long term, it just takes a commitment from the community to help us build it, just like anything. And the more we get the community support and the uh, corporate support, then we we are looked at from the world globe of tennis of okay, this is the place you want to be again. Um, so that's what, that's what I'd say. It comes from a, a sort of a, uh, two or three pronged approach. And number one is for us as GF sports and entertainment to produce a great event, the community to, to love it, become, um, entrenched in the event and, and ask and, and want more and the corporate community the same way. And, you know, with all three of us, uh, we can go forward and, and build something bigger, but look, the ATP is always looking for great opportunities and great places. You know, they move events around. Um, the tour finals is now in Italy, so for us, we would love to be a, a part of that and say, OK, I'll say, Monica, I need more help because we're going to bring this to the city. So, Monica, you know, you thought you had a lot of work bringing the Dallas Open. We're going to bring something else here. And so, um, you know, I would love to have that conversation with Monica. Peter, down the road.
1: anytime you want to call and say, let's go have coffee, I will meet you. <laughs> that, that's where the best deals are done. That's where, yeah, that's where the uh, right. the brain uh, starts to, to work. Well, and it's I,
0: I agree. Up. Yeah, you've you've already found out, Peter. Monica's, Monica is all about getting it done. So so that's a that's a good thing. What what? How would you assess the state of of men's professional tennis in the U.S.? I mean, the, the, the women's side, you know, we we you know we obviously with 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 Serena, we've had and others we've had dominant players from the U.S. But where do we stand now uh, with with men's tennis on the pro side from with American players?
5: We, we have a crew of young guys that are coming up that are developing a little bit later um, than the European guys. You know, your Taylor Fritzes, your Riley Opelkas, these guys that are coming out, Francis Tiafo, you know, Seb Korda. Um, these guys, they're not quite there yet, but they're on the way. I mean, we had um, Riley got to the semifinals the other week of, of his event um, out in, in Europe on the clay, which everybody thinks well, Riley can't do that. Now Riley was a winner of our event a couple of years ago. And we have a couple of guys, I think, out there that are going to break through in the next year or two, and that's what's going to happen. And once once we have a couple of guys doing that, and really breaking through, you'll, you'll see the growth on the guys' side. It's like, you know what's happened on the women's, as Serena and Venus have led the charge for many years, along with, you know, Lindsay Davenport prior to that. That's just spurred the, the girls to get out there and start playing tennis. So when one or two of these guys break through, we're going to see some, I think you'll see some growth from that aspect. I mean, John Isner, who's the host of our event, has been, you know, the top 10 guy um, over the last nine years. You know, we're the only guys who've done that year after year. He's been amazing for it. And he's got to the semifinals of Wimbledon and quarterfinals of the U.S. Open a couple of times, but just hasn't been able to get to that slam final. But, you know, he's been a great ambassador. And, and really, that's if you talk to the young guys coming up, that's who inspired them. So... I think we're in pretty good shape. I mean, look, the world would love to have a number one player. Uh, The US, we're always about that. And I think it's sort of cyclical. They go through stages and I think we're ready for the US in the next couple of years to to really do something and uh, see a couple of players come through.
0: You know, speaking of John Isner, you had a great launch event for the for the Dallas Open uh, recently with Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know we know Dirk grew up playing tennis. Uh, he, he hit a few balls with John. What did, you, what did you? How would you assess uh, Dirk's form when you watched him at SMU in, in your launch event?
5: Uh, you know, that was that was a really organic moment because you just sort of said, "Do you want to hit some?" He says, "Yeah, I'd love to hit some." Um, his forehand's good; you can tell he he rips a few forehands. His backhands as. As John John said, it's a one-y, meaning a one-hander, a um, bit of an extreme grip. But uh, he hits a good ball. You know, you can absolutely tell that he's hit a lot of tennis balls. And you know, when we were talking to him. He's like, look, I, I can't wait. You know, I, I'm so excited about this. He wanted to to be there. He's good friends with John as well. And he's like, this is this is what I want to do. I want to see these kind of things coming to to Dallas. Um, and of course, he loves it that it's a tennis. So. I don't know. I might've committed to a front row seat for him for a couple of sessions. So Dirk and I are going to have to have a little <laughs> chat about that later on, but um, you know, he has his foundation event that he runs at SMU as well. So he's tied into tennis to SMU um, and he gets, gets what uh, the value of this is for, for all of us as well as Dallas. Well, I,
1: it, Peter, if I were you, I'd go ahead and uh, figure out a, a solution to get Dirk the tickets that he needs uh, uh, to make that happen. Uh, just kind of following up before we let you go here. You know, I've I've had a lot of SMU students, a lot of a- athletes uh, from from my class and others within the organization, very very excited about this. So thank you to GF Sports and Entertainment for for making this happen. But uh, I think one of the things I'd I'd like to leave on Peter is you y'all do other events. Uh, Correct. Uh, I think some others Correct. that you may, you may be looking to to host or others that are actually here in market and others throughout the United States. Can you expand upon that a little bit?
5: Yeah, we do. We, um, we also own one other tennis event, the uh, truest Atlanta Open, and that's going to be in July in Atlanta. So we have that. We also uh, are starting off a, a new concept called Meet the Breeds with the American Kennel Club. And we're doing an eight-tour city of, of the country this year. And the number two stop is Dallas. Uh, so you'll be able to, what what the Meet the Breeds is, is uh, literally as it says, the the organizations locally that have their breeds, whether it be a Labrador or Australian um, Terrier or whatever it is, they bring their, their dogs to the show. People are able to walk around, meet the breeds, learn about them and sort of choose their their dogs and and let me tell you it doesn't matter who you are dogs bring everybody together whether you're the CEO of a company or you know just somebody walking down the street and so that's gonna be great for I think the whole country and we're excited about what that uh, what that's going to bring. we also have uh, Wolfpack ninja and uh, that is a uh, as you as the name says like you've seen on the TV show we have a touring event of that where we have a whole uh, course that we set up we take to various venues around the country. And athletes go through it. We have competitions, but really, where that's a huge, it's a healthy lifestyle. We get kids to run through those courses, and they have a fantastic time. So we've got a couple of those things. So you know, GF Sports and Entertainment is committed to healthy lifestyles and doing those kind of things and um, building the communities. And so, with the dogs and the uh, tennis and the ninja, I think we've got a lot of things. But uh, you'll see the you'll see the dogs meet the breeds will be. Um, in Dallas in
0: uh, in August. August. All right. Well, Peter, thanks so much for joining us here on the the Mic Drop. It's been great having you on. All the best in the planning for the Dallas Open as big-time professional tennis returns to Dallas.
5: Thanks. Appreciate it.
0: All right. On behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to our guests, Peter Lebedevs of the Dallas Open, Brad Townsend of the Dallas Morning News, and the legendary Spud Webb. Thanks to the Mic Drop production team. Krista Melia, Marcus Carr, and our showrunner, Tony Faye. Until next time, thanks for listening.